0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving break. I hope you didn't eat as much pie as I did, because then you'd probably feel like I do, which is not a good thing. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Justin. Uh, that's exactly what I... I can get a little more than that. There it is. That's exactly what I needed right now. Um, so my name is Justin. Uh, A little bit of background, I know a lot of you don't know me. Uh, I'm actually from a really small town, an hour and a half north of Kansas City. It's called King City. Uh, Super tiny. Um, So I grew up going to this really small church. Uh, There should be a picture. Yeah. So you can't tell, but actually on three sides of that is all pasture. Um, So small church, middle of nowhere, half a mile from my house. Grew up going there, same church my entire life. Grandparent, g- grandparents go there. i um, so I. Went, you know, you just know everybody. You sit in the same pew every week. Um, so I went there almost every Sunday for about 18 and a half years. So every Sunday when I walked in, this is what I saw. It's kind of dark, you kind of can't see it, but there's two rows of pews, and then right up at the very front and center is a big, huge cross. A big huge cross with Jesus on it. So going there almost whole, my whole life, almost 900 times I walked in, I sat down, and I saw that cross. Uh, to add to that, when I was 15, I actually asked my parents for a silver cross necklace. You know, you want to be cool, you want to be like that. For when I had sporting events around your neck, wore it all the time. Didn't take it off, except for when I had sporting events, and they made me. But between those two, I didn't really remember the cross on my neck. When I walked into church on Sunday, I didn't really remember or think about the cross being up there. I kind of became numb to it. And I feel like that's kind of how our culture is today. We've kind of become numb to the cross. You know, just think about all the places that you see a cross there's decorations, there's paintings in houses jewelry tattoos all these places but when people see them put them on when people put them on their walls they don't really think about them people just put it up there it's just a decoration what about you when you put on a cross necklace when you put up that cross what do you think about do you think about it i don't know do you notice it do you notice that you put it on Now, I know some of you are probably coming here tonight from a lot of different places, a lot of different backgrounds. Some of you have been going to church your entire life. You've been a Christian your whole life. You know, you're thinking, what's this guy up here going to say about the cross that I haven't already heard? Some of you, maybe you're like me. You went to church, but you didn't really care. You've been coming to Veritas. You just kind of went, you sat there. You're quiet. You've been coming to Veritas a little bit, but that's kind of it. Maybe you were raised and you didn't go to church at all. You've been to Veritas maybe once, maybe twice, came with a friend. You're just kind of here to check it out see what it's about. Well, no matter who you are, whichever one of those you are, I just want to say welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful that you're here tonight. I'm excited that you're here. And all I ask is that for the next 20 minutes that you can just listen and hear, because I want to share with you guys how the cross has changed my life. But before we get into God's word, I just want to pray for us real quick. Uh, Thankful for this time here tonight, Lord, to be able to read your word. Lord, I ask that your spirit would be working in our hearts, opening our hearts to your word, teaching us your word, and helping us to be more like you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles you want to open up with me, it's going to be Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 37. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out, Hail, King of the Jews, again and again homage to him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his clothes on him. The written notice of the charge against him was right, and one on the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land. Eloi, Eloi, noon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathes his last. Now, I know that's a lot. And I'm going to make a blanket statement because I think it's safe to say we can't read those verses without seeing we see him suffering over and over in these verses we see Jesus suffering we see him suffering through the physical pain pain so gruesome he couldn't even carry the cross we see him suffering emotional pain publicly public humiliation people mocking him insulting him spitting on him as he walked by so after reading that and for the rest of our time i just want to ask you the question What does Mark tell us in these verses about Jesus' death on the cross? What can we learn from it? Well, I think there's two things that we can learn tonight. The first thing is Jesus' death was selfless. Jesus didn't want to be on to pray, and it says, if you look at Mark 14, 35 and 36, Jesus was going up on the mountain to pray, and it says, going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Jesus asked God the Father to be, for there to be any other way. Father, take this cup from me. Don't make me do it. But it's not your will, but mine. Jesus knew that this was God's will for him. Also, Jesus didn't deserve to be up on the cross, If they, like this, if someone was given the death penalty, if they committed a murder, they're guilty of it, they're committed, or they're sentenced to death, we would say that that's a rightful sentencing, right? They deserve that. They committed the murder. They deserved it. Well, what if someone didn't commit the murder? What if it actually wasn't them that did it, but they're sentenced to the death penalty? We would say that's not fair, right? Right? We would say that's not okay. Well, which one is Jesus? If you think about it, Jesus didn't deserve it. He hadn't done anything to deserve this sentencing. But he stayed up there anyways. Jesus didn't deserve it, but he knew that we did. He knew that we deserved the penalty for our sins, that we're the guilty ones. And he stayed up there because he was selfless and he wanted to sacrifice himself for us. People were insulting him, challenging him, telling him, come down to the cross and we'll believe. And he could have, right? I mean, this is Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator of the universe. He could have gotten down from that cross if he wanted to, but he didn't. He chose to stay up there, not for himself, not to prove that he could stay up there, but be about what he wanted to that death for our sins. He wasn't thinking about himself, about what he wanted, about what would be best for him right now. He was thinking about us. Um, There's a river in South Africa. It's called the Nassalini River. And one day there was a group of third graders at the school close by. Uh, They got out early because they had pink eye. So on the walk home, these kids decided, you know, instead of going straight home, we're going to go for a swim in the river. So they go for a swim. They're swimming around, hanging out. They're about to get out, and all of a sudden, a hidden crocodile comes up and grabs one of the boys by the leg, clamps down on him. The boy starts screaming, all asking people to come help him. Everybody left. Everybody scrammed, all but one. One boy, Thimba. Thimba grabbed his friend by the arm and started pulling. Tug of war with the crocodile, fighting for this boy's life. Fide need to get him free. And finally, he pulls him free, pulls him free from the alligator. And this boy comes up out of the water. He's got blood on his leg. He's bleeding on his arm, all across his chest. He was safe. He made it out, but not Thimba. They were taking this other boy to the hospital. He was shaken up, and he was talking on the hospital bed, and they asked him what happened. And he said, "Peered under the water. But as Thimba tried to get out, the crocodile caught him, and he disappeared under the water. That was the last time I saw my friend alive. I'll never forget what happened that day. He died trying to save me. Thimba lost his life that night, saving the life of his friend. He didn't have time to weigh the options, to contemplate, oh, should I do this, should I not? He reacted like that. He saw his friend in trouble and he went to help him. And it put his life in danger and ended up losing his life. What would you have done if you were in Thimba's place? Would you have reached out for your friend's arm, tried to save him? Probably wouldn't have been selfless. With a crocodile, I probably wouldn't have. Probably wouldn't have been selfless. Probably would have been worried about myself and left. But what about the other times in life when you do have time to think about being selfless? You do have time to weigh the consequences, weigh the options. It's not life or death. You can think about it. And I think if we're honest, we don't want to be selfless. Being selfless isn't that fun. Being selfless is kind of hard. Being selfless forces us to not think about what we want or what we think we need, but about someone else. What do they want? What do they need? Might that come with calling you to be selfless tonight? And what sacrifice might that come with for you? You know, maybe God's calling you to be selfless with your time. We come back from Thanksgiving break, and you guys have all this stuff on your plates. Your every night before you're going to bed, you're writing down your next day, what you have to do hour by hour. You have to study. You have to do this project, this paper. But if we step back and look at that, all of our schedules, it's so easy. They become centered around ourselves. My schedule becomes centered around me, what I need to do. What if instead of that, a roommate tried to just have a conversation with someone? You know, you talk to a roommate, a colleague, fraternity brother, a sorority sister. You ask them how their Thanksgiving was. You ask them and you listen and you ask more questions just there to listen. You're not waiting for a break so that you can tell your stories, tell about how your Thanksgiving was, tell about how busy you were. You're not waiting for a break so that you can walk away from the conversation. You're not waiting for a break so you can look down at your phone and ignore them. And I think sometimes we don't want to do that because it's hard, it causes us to lose that time. You're stressed. You're angry, you're hungry. Five minutes, those things you need to get done, that checklist in your mind. But even the five minutes of hearing someone's day can be an example of how we can selflessly care for others. The second thing that I think we can learn from Jesus' death on the cross is this Jesus' death was hard. It was really hard. If we look again at all the physical hardships, That Jesus suffered and endured. Verse 19. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. Who here has been poked by a thorn? Well, yeah. I have. It sucks. It's not fun, right? Now imagine being a crown placed on your head with the staff. Skull. Verse 19. Again and again they struck him on the head with the staff. They were beating him over and over and over. He was defenseless. He couldn't do anything. Holding him down. This part was so violent that some that were crucified didn't even make it past it. They died because of shock or blood loss. Verse 21. And they forced him to carry the cross. Jesus was so weakened by the beating that he couldn't even carry the cross up to where he was going to be crucified. They had to have some traveler, some wanderer, Simon, carry the cross for him. It's kind of like... I played football and shoulders, and you have to walk. It was the fireman drill. So you have to take one of your teammates, you have to throw him over your shoulders, and you have to walk across the field and back. You do it at the end of practice. You're exhausted. You smell. The other person's sweaty. And all you can think of is, man, I wish you weighed less. It's horrible. So maybe if you didn't play football, imagine just looking to the person on your left or your right, trying to pick them up. Put them on your shoulder and carry them up and down the row. It's hard, right? Maybe impossible for some of us. Now imagine this if you're in Jesus' place. You've had a crown of thorns beaten with a staff, and now they're asking you to carry this beam up the hill. He was too weak. He was physically too weak to do it. Verse 24. And they crucified him. Now, I want to stop here for a sec. Because I think it's interesting that all Mark mentions about the actual crucifixion of Jesus is these four words. And they crucified him. That's it. One sentence. That's all we get. But what we don't think about is for Mark's original readers, that's all they needed. That's all they needed to understand how... Crucifixions were used by and how bad they were. You see, at this point in time, crucifixions were used by the Romans as a scare tactic. It was said to be the worst execution due to excruciating pain and public shame. By the time Jesus was crucified, the Romans had crucified almost 30,000 people. People knew how horrible it would have been. Mark didn't have to explain it to them. But since we are so separated from the crucifixion, imagine it. Just think about it for a minute. Jesus was taken to this hill. He put his arms, put on a beam, a nail into each palm, one by one. His feet lit on a major road, a nail through your feet, set up on display on a major road where people are walking by, insulting him. The only way to breathe is by pushing yourself up. On your wounds, your hands and your feet, you push yourself up to breathe, but that's such excruciating pain that you slump back down, only to not be able to breathe again. The ultimate cause of death being asphyxiation. I think today we become numb to the cross. We're so far removed from crucifixions, it's unfamiliar to us. We hear Jesus was crucified, we see the cross. But we don't think about the, the pain, pain that happens with anyone that was crucified. The pain that had happened to Jesus when he suffered the crucifixion. So I want us to think about it another way. How about another symbol? Like a swastika. If you see a swastika, you know how horrible a time that was, right? You know the suffering that people endured during the Holocaust. You've seen the pictures of the Jews so skinny that you can see their ribs and you can see their bones. You don't need an explanation of a time like that. You see the symbol and you know. When we see a swastika, because we think how much those people suffered. It's horrible when we see a swastika because we think about that. But so should the cross. It was a terrible way to suffer, it was a terrible way to die. If that's not enough, what about the emotional pain that Jesus endured? Verse 19 and 20. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Verse 31. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. Verse 32. Those crucified with him also heaped insult, were mocking him. Even those who were crucified next to him, even those who were guilty, were mocking him, throwing insults at him. People were insulting him. Jesus was publicly humiliated by everyone. Do you guys know what it feels like to be humiliated? I mean, if you think about it, what about a time when you're hanging out with friends? You say something that wasn't right or was maybe not the best thing to say, and they start laughing at you. becomes the joke of the night. Next thing you know, over and over, people are making fun of you. It hurts, right? It doesn't feel good. Now imagine Jesus' level of a whole other level of shit. I think this passage clearly proves to us that Jesus' death was hard. Jesus' death was physically hard. Jesus' death was emotionally hard. And I wonder if we can relate to that, if we can relate to Jesus in this sense. Has being a Christian ever been hard? Situations in your life that you're going through, that you've been through, that you're in right now, that have been hard? I think that we can all say yes. Yes, we've been through hardships. Yes, we've gone through something that really, really hurt. Something someone said that really was hardships. And I think that sometimes Jesus calls us to go through those hardships. He challenges us to do stuff that's hard. Maybe one of those is comfortability, not being comfortable. Maybe it's sacrificing our comfort for a hard conversation with a friend. Maybe it's sacrificing your comfort to confront someone who's struggling with sin and you see it in their life. My... First semester of my senior year, I was living on the south side of town with a buddy. He was a Christian. We were both really trying to grow in our faith, um, struggling, trying to hold each other. I came home one night from a party, and he could smell the cigarette smoke on my clothes and in my breath. We sat there for a little bit on our couch just watching TV, and finally he looks over at me, and he just says, Dude. You smell like smoke. You reek. We had both been struggling and had struggled in the past with smoking cigarettes. And at that moment when he confronted me, I remember how I felt. I felt uncomfortable. I felt vulnerable because he confronted me. He brought up Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his faults. And right there I knew he was right. I had messed up. I had made a mistake, and he was calling me out on it. Now, for the uncomfortable time that that was, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that he was able to tell me about what I was doing, and we were able to talk about it. We were able to hold each other accountable. What about something else? Maybe something that's hard is you feel alone. Maybe as a Christian, you don't feel like you have any other Christian friends. You go to church on a Sunday alone. You come to Veritas tonight and your roommates mock you because you're coming here. Peers make fun of you for not drinking, for not going out. But it's really, really hard. It's hard to say no. But Jesus knows what that's like. Sometimes, though, when it's hard, when we're going through those hardships, we ask ourselves, we wonder, does God love me? Um, There's an author. His name is uh, Brennan Manning. So he grew up in New York. Him and his best friend Ray, uh, they did everything together. They went to high school together. They double dated together. They even went to Vietnam together and ended up serving in the same unit together. Um, Over old times, eating a are sitting in their foxhole in the war. And they were just reminiscing over old times eating a chocolate bar. And all of a sudden, a grenade falls right in between them. Ray looks at his buddy, smiles, drops his chocolate bar, and jumps on the grenade. It killed Ray, but it saved his friend. After that, um, his friend came back and he decided he wanted to be a Catholic priest. And part of that is taking the name of a saint. So he decided to take the last name of his friend, Ray Brennan. That made his name Brennan Manning. Uh, A couple years later, do you think Ray loved me? Went to New York and he was talking to Ray's mom and he asked her, do you think Ray loved me? And Ray's mom got into his face and said, after what he did to you, how could you ever doubt that he loved you? Brennan said at that moment, he had an epiphany Because he had struggled with whether or not God loved him. And he could hear God saying, after what I gave you, after I gave you my son, how could you ever doubt that I love you? Do you doubt that God God loves you? If you're like me, the answer to that question is yes. Sometimes I do doubt that God loves me. we do, but if there's anything I want you to take from this passage tonight, it's that when we do... When we doubt God's love, we have a place to turn to. We have something to look at, a tangible reminder of God's love for us, the cross. God gave us his son. Jesus died for us. But it wasn't easy. No. We've seen that it was hard, physically and emotionally. It was excruciatingly painful for Jesus. Jesus. We've seen that Jesus' death was selfless. So, as the music team comes up, suffer the physical questions. Why? Why would Jesus suffer the physical and emotional pain that he did? And what does that mean for us? Why? It's because Jesus loves us. It's because Jesus loves me. It's because Jesus loves you. And he knew that for our sins to be forgiven that he had to sacrifice his life for us. He had to die on the cross. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus died for you because he loves you? If so, in those moments, when you doubt God's love, be reminded, look to the cross. Look to Jesus' death and be reminded of the lengths he went to for you me, for us. Because Jesus loves us. Let me pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time tonight that we're able to come here and read your word. I thank you for the reminder that you sent your son to die for us. That he suffered excruciating pain. That he suffered shame. But that he did that for us. He did that because he loves us. We can Jesus we're thankful for that. And I pray that this week we can remember that. We can look to that cross and we can remember what Jesus did for us. Your songs near something pray.